You're listening to the Get the Pancake Podcast, helping volleyball coaches have their best season yet. Hi, coaches. It's Whitney from the Get the Pancake Podcast, a podcast for volleyball coaches. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about a personality test. I know you might be thinking, is this personality test strictly for volleyball coaches? No, it's not. But I really think that this is going to help all of us for a couple of reasons. And I'll get to those in just a second. But I'm sort of promoting this as like a coaching self-care episode. Many of us are just giving so much to the sport and to coaching that it's easy to forget that we're not keeping an eye out for ourselves. So sometimes we can start to feel a little run down or exhausted, even though we're doing something that we love. But it's just because we're giving too much and we're too focused on things happening outside of us. So this week, I'm going to share a fun activity that you can do in anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes. However, if you like personality tests and you like learning about yourself and learning about how to interact better with others, you might just disappear down a rabbit hole. I know once I really got into this, I spent a couple of days, honestly, just doing more research and doing more learning. And the reason that people like personality tests so much is that it sort of feeds our curious nature and it helps us better understand ourselves and the ways that we relate to others. And coaching definitely requires a good understanding of those relationships. I am a huge fan of personality tests and other self-discovery tools. So for example, probably like many of you, I was first introduced to personality tests with the Myers-Briggs type indicator, which is just commonly referred to as the Myers-Briggs test. I'm going to assume that everyone is familiar with that, so I'm just going to skip into saying that the Myers-Briggs test, while informative, is also a little confusing and is lacking in a couple of areas. With the Myers-Briggs test, there are 16 different types, and I've taken it multiple times, and depending on if you're thinking about work or personal life, sometimes your results are different, or as time goes on, you're maybe you were more extroverted and you became more introverted. There's also, are you a judging or a feeling type, and what the heck does that even mean, you know? So I think it is informative, but I think it's seriously lacking. So that was sort of the first personality test that I really dove into. We did that in high school in a careers class. I've also taken the DISC assessment, and that was part of a professional development retreat that I went on. That was part of the seminar was to take the DISC assessment and then get your results back. And it was supposed to just open your eyes and blow your mind, I guess, with um, newfound knowledge about how you are at work, which it, it did help. It did open my eyes to some things, but it didn't really align with what I was expecting. And while I thought it was accurate, I also thought that my 
quote unquote personality could have been listed in different ways as well. I actually had expectations that I was going to be one thing and then got the results back and it was a different thing. And it felt like I was just reading it and whatever I read sort of, I could probably make it apply to me. So DISC assessment is fine. Um, I also enjoy other things like if you are a bookworm and you like this sort of thing, I highly recommend Strengths Finder 2.0. That's by Tom Rath. I will include a link in the show notes for everything that I'm talking about today. But if you want to read Strengths Finder and also get a code to take the test, it basically just tells you what you're naturally good at. And my book actually has a couple of bookmarks in it marking off my strengths. And I would say it's very accurate. But again, it doesn't really apply to everything. It definitely applies to work, but it's not a personality test. It's just sort of a preferences and strengths test. So those are all of the personality tests and self-discovery tools that I've used in the past. And while they were fun to read through and fun to dive into, I didn't feel like they carried on and applied to most of my life. They definitely applied in a work setting for the most part, but I didn't see broad applications. And this is why I'm sharing a new personality test with you because it literally applies to everything. It applies to personal life, professional life, at least in my experience. And I can clearly see that it applies to my entire life. It's not something like with the Myers-Briggs where, you know, as I change as a person or grow as a person, my personality type changes. What I'm talking about is the Enneagram test. The Enneagram test isn't brand new, but it's also not discussed as much as the other personality tests. I also want to say that they don't call it a personality test, but that's basically what it is. Now, the reason that I'm a huge fan of this test is that it makes it clear what motivates you, what drives you, and it also talks about what you are afraid of. Eee, scary. And it also outlines healthy and unhealthy levels within your type so you can better recognize patterns that you may not have noticed before. Once you take this test and you understand your own Enneagram type, you can start to learn about the desires and fears that motivate the people around you. One of the things that I really like about this test is that it talks about weaknesses in a real way. So most tests will skip over weaknesses or say something like, you're a perfectionist, which as a perfectionist myself, I would say we're proud of that and I wouldn't view that necessarily as a weakness. But with the Enneagram, most likely you're not going to feel proud about what it reveals is your weakness because it is so true and honest and a lot of us like to hide those negative aspects of ourselves you know we don't want to be honest with the things that really make us mad at practice or with our teams or even you know what makes us mad when we're at home and really speaking our mind and the enneagram really brings that out and puts it in front of you and makes you sort of face your i don't want to say face your demons but that's i mean that's kind of what it is so Whereas the 
Myers-Briggs test has, you know, the 16 different combinations of letters. The Enneagram is made up of nine numbers. It's one through nine. No number is better than the other. Everyone has strengths. Everyone has weaknesses. And I believe this is so true when it comes to coaching. No matter what type you are, you bring something to the table and you also have something that you could work on. I will include a link to go and take this test so you can learn what number you are. And I have a feeling you're going to take the test and think, oh my gosh, this is exactly me. And you're going to spend at least 30 minutes, if not an hour or more, really diving into this test and learning about yourself. But let me just give you an example. So as I mentioned, the types are one through nine. Now I'm going to read from the EnneagramInstitute.com. Just going to give a brief summary of what is on their website. So a one is called the reformer. They are the rational and idealistic type. A two is the helper. They are caring and interpersonal. Three is the achiever. They are success-oriented and pragmatic. Four is the individualist. They are sensitive and withdrawn. And these are good things, people. I feel like in the U.S. it's very easy to say that the success-oriented type is maybe the best and then being sensitive and withdrawn would be less than ideal. And that's just because of societal values. But remember, everybody has something to contribute. Um, five is the investigator. They are the intense cerebral type. Six is the loyalist, and they are committed and security-oriented. Seven is the enthusiast. They are the busy, fun-loving type. Eight is the challenger. They are the powerful, dominating type. And nine is the peacemaker. They are easygoing and self-effacing. Now, that was super brief, and just from listening to those, reading them, you might have an idea where you fit in, but I highly encourage you to take the tests so you can know for sure. For example, I read through these types and thought that my husband was a certain type and I couldn't get him to take the test. I kept trying, you know, I kept telling him, wow, this is so accurate. You really need to do it. And he kept putting it off. And so I just sort of picked from the different descriptions. I said, well, this is what you are. So we were kind of going along with that. And after a while, he was like, you know, that really just doesn't doesn't sound like me. And he took the test and he came out with a different number. And after he read that description, he was like, this is me to the core. And it was strange for me because I had sort of painted this image in my mind with the description that I thought described him. And then once he shared what his real type was, it became very clear why he would excel in certain areas and get frustrated when other things would happen. And if you have your coaching staff take these tests, for example, and you find out that you are one type and your assistant is another and the other assistant is a completely different type, what's really cool about this is that you can look at the relationships between the different types so you can see sort of how to work better with each other and how to motivate each other 
And you also get an idea of boundaries. For example, let's just say that you are an assistant coach and maybe you didn't get all your paperwork done on time, but you need to be on the court to help. And so you're trying to get your head coach to let you come onto the court to help out, even though the paperwork that's required isn't done. If your head coach is a one, a type one, which is the reformer, ones value things like justice and integrity, and you're trying to get them to bend the rules. Let me just tell you right now that that is not going to happen. Not only are they going to tell you no, but they're also going to lose a little bit of trust in you and really question your judgment moving forward because they do value following the rules. Side note, I think that most coaches would tell you no, but it's the ones that are especially going to be uncomfortable with that request and actually feel anger and disappointment more deeply than the other types. And so if you know that your head coach is a one, you already know the answer. So you can say, hey, Megan, I didn't get my paperwork done on time. I'm going to be here. I'm going to support you, but I can't step on the court. You're probably going to have some consequences for not getting that done on time. Um, I imagine you would get yelled at and reprimanded, but you can still ask if they want you to come onto the court. But if you acknowledge, like, I know that's against the rules, you'll maintain that relationship more than if you were pushing to come onto the court because that would go against their core values. And even though you did something wrong, at least you're not sort of pushing those personal boundaries. Let's look at another one. So maybe your assistant coach is an eight. These individuals value enthusiasm and power, but if you display any sort of incompetence in any area or anything that they perceive as incompetence, they will get furious with you. <laughs> That's sort of a boundary for them is not tolerating um, incompetence. And if you are maybe not setting up a 5-1 correctly or you're teaching passing form in a way that they don't agree with, or maybe when you're leading huddles, maybe they don't like your style, but an assistant coach who is an eight is going to lose a lot of trust in you as a head coach if they don't think that you know what you're doing. And if you start to sense a tension there, it's good for you to understand where that tension is coming from and maybe open up a conversation with them and explain why you're teaching something the way that you are. Because if they feel more confident in you that you do know what you're doing um, or that you have a reason for making these decisions that maybe they wouldn't necessarily make on their own, they can at least respect you that you are there, you know, for the kids for the program and you can earn that trust and respect back. But once you understand what you value as a person and then you compare those with the values of the people who are a part of your team, you can really come together and create an incredible environment that is not only fun to work in, but it's probably going to be very successful because if you are just playing on each other's strengths and watching those boundaries, as long as no one is taking advantage of the knowledge that you get from this test, then 
I only see things being easier for you. This information could also be extremely useful if you are a director and you're looking at pairing up different coaches together for new teams for the next season. You don't necessarily want to strictly make decisions just 100% based on personality tests. That's, that's not right. There are a lot of things to take into consideration. But if you use the results of the Enneagram test, and let's say you have a three and a five working together. If you go to enneagraminstitute.com, you can actually look up combinations of types. These pages are phrased as if it is a relationship, but you can still get the idea of how someone would work together. There's also another website about Enneagrams at work. Those will both be linked. Let's say that you have a three and a five. A three is the achiever, a five is the investigator. When you look at that combination, it tells us that five support threes by sparking creativity and offering new areas of expertise and credibility. And then threes give the fives confidence and help with presentation skills and help them become more aware of the importance of communicating with others. This is essentially a way to fast track that understanding of each other where you're learning about your new assistant coach or your new head coach trying to figure each other out. If you can give them this cheat sheet as a way to sort of fast track this coaching relationship, it's like you're starting the race ahead of everyone else. It also tells you issues in the case of a three and a five working together. It says that some trouble spots could be that neither of these types tend to talk about their feelings directly until it's too late. And if they start out coaching together and they're aware that they tend to hold in some of these feelings and they maybe start to sense something bubbling up, they can come to the other coach and say, hey, Darren, I just wanted to let you know that I'm having these issues. I know both of us don't really tend to talk about these, but I just wanted to put it out there. Or as the director, you know, you can kind of keep an eye on these things and check in from time to time with, again, an understanding of how the coaching relationship tends to play out. So what a great tool, again, to use to get ahead in the beginning of a season, especially if you're working with someone new. Because ultimately, the goal is to achieve and be successful, however you define that. And when you have this sort of background information about what makes someone tick, what their boundaries are, then you can have a more clear and productive conversation about how you can support each other and reach those goals faster and more efficiently. And of course, these relationships are important, but you can't build a relationship unless you know more about yourself. Now, I mentioned that you probably aren't going to feel super proud about what the test reveals because although it helps you really understand yourself as a person and then apply that to coaching and you really get an idea of what motivates you on the court, it's also going to reveal some interesting things about yourself. So I myself am a two, that is the helper, and I really just enjoy helping um, but sometimes I try and help too much and I even try and help 
when it's not even wanted. <laughs> so I don't wait for people to ask for help. I just help. And sometimes that can be annoying to people. Apparently, that is what the Enneagram tells me. So that has really helped me. Um, obviously, in coaching, we are trying to help as much as possible and coach and teach. Uh, maybe my assistant coach, I'm trying to help them with things that they don't want help with. And it's good to be aware of these things because in the case of a two who is helping when their help isn't wanted, not only is the other person going to feel like I am annoying, but then I'm going to feel resentful that they don't appreciate the help that I'm offering. So you can see how that would build a stressful work environment. But by taking this test and being aware of your tendencies, you'll recognize when you're starting to cross that boundary and you can take a step back from those behaviors. I also mentioned that there are different levels in the Enneagram. So there are healthy levels, average levels, and unhealthy levels. Think about when you are at your absolute best, when you are just on fire, you feel like you're just radiating just good vibes. That's going to be you at healthy levels. On the flip side, when you really just get in your head and you feel like everything's going wrong, maybe you actually start to get sick because of how stressed out you are and how out of whack you feel, that's going to be your unhealthy levels. And using the Enneagram in times of stress, especially as a coach, you can read through those levels and understand where you're at and get an idea of how to move back up higher towards those top levels. Coaches, I know we are going through a lot of stress right now. Some of us are wrapping up tryouts. Others are getting ready for tryouts. Others are running online workouts with teams that we can't be with in person. And some of us might even just have volleyball on hold for the moment because nothing's going on in our area. So no matter which situation you're in, those can all be stressful. So I really want to encourage you to just take 30 minutes to an hour to just dive in to the Enneagram test, learn about yourself, learn about your motivations, what really drives you, what really annoys you and brings you down and how to get yourself out of those situations and how to relate to the people around you so that you can have a successful experience coaching. I will admit I am not an Enneagram expert, although I have done, as I mentioned, a lot of reading on the topic. And if you'd like to come into the Volleyball Coaches Corner Facebook group and talk about your type and what that means to you as a coach, I would just love to hear your thoughts and your interpretation of the Enneagram applied to coaching. I think this will help us understand the people that we work with, whether that's athletic directors, trainers, coaches of the top teams in our programs, and the people that run like our volley tot programs. It'd be really interesting to learn more about each other and see if there are any trends in what types of people are coaching in the Get the Pancake community. I just think it'd be really fun. <laughs> The links will all be on getthepancake.com in the podcast tab. This is episode 57. Click on that post for all of the links mentioned and to take the test yourself. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Get the Pancake podcast. 
and I hope to have you back again next week. Coaches, it's time to gear up for your next season. When tryouts roll around, you don't want to be scrambling to put together a plan for this year's team. Evaluation forms, goal-setting worksheets, team bonding activities. Having the right tools makes a huge difference. That's why Get the Pancake is committed to creating resources for volleyball coaches that are simple and fun to use. My personal recommendation, check out our ultimate packet. This 50-page download has every printable we offer at 20% off. Go to getthepancake.com today to get the tools you need to have your best season yet.